Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Monday, January 23rd, 2023. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and our producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you this morning to start your week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today is the National Day of Prayer for the Legal Protection of Unborn Children, normally uh, on January 22nd, but it's observed today because it fell on a Sunday yesterday. Now, this past weekend was monumental for the pro-life movement with the National March for Life in Washington, D.C. last Friday, the first March for Life in D.C. since Roe v. Wade was overturned last summer. There were other pro-life events in a number of cities across our nation. There was the One Life L.A. in Los Angeles. Angeles on Saturday, and the Walk for Life West Coast in San Francisco as well, and on Sunday, the annual March for Life in St. Paul, Minnesota. Eric Schuyler the, of the Pro-Life Action League will be with us here momentarily. A little bit later at the bottom of the hour, Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life, will join us from Washington, D.C. with uh, much more on what's next in a post-row America. want to bring in our morning air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the Stories that are making headlines here uh, on this uh, Monday morning. Well, covering the life issue in a big way over the weekend uh, with the March for Life in Washington on Friday. And we ran into some of those folks in St. Paul yesterday uh, from the University of Mary. Four busloads headed back to Bismarck, North Dakota, stopped in Minnesota for the Mass for Life at the St. Paul Cathedral with Archbishop Bernard Hebda presiding there, as well as the March for Life. A few blocks away at the Minnesota Capitol. And uh, the current issue right now is the Minnesota legislature voting to make Minnesota the most liberal abortion state in the country. That legislation has passed the House, the Senate voting this week, and uh, we got the scoop on that from a former state rep. At the state capitol in St. Paul, we're with former state representative Steve Gottwald. Steve, what brings you out here today? Well, a number of things. First of all, I'm adamantly pro life, uh, Roman Catholic, very proud to be, and more of us need to stand up and show our pride and our faith and, and do these kinds of things. But this is particularly important this year because we have five days. I mean, this Friday is when the Senate is scheduled to vote. These five days are when we need to turn it around. The reason they've delayed the vote a week is that they don't have the votes in the Senate to pass this horrendous abortion bill. So if we can put pressure on our senators and pray for them, there is a chance we can stop this here in Minnesota. Um, this is no holds barred abortion on demand anytime at any age, at any stage of pregnancy, by anybody, in any place. This is the this would be the most extreme abortion law in the entire world, not only country, but world. And a lot of folks getting activated for that to write to their state senators in Minnesota this week with a vote expected again by Friday, John. Glenn, I understand that our friends from the University of Mary and some of those uh, buses that went to uh, D.C. Uh, stopped by as well. Yes, yes, they did. Uh, great to see uh, young people showing up uh, for the March in Minnesota, of course, as well as Washington, D.C., but long trek back from uh, the nation's capital to Bismarck, North Dakota, but they, they made time to stop there. And I know, uh, I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of folks in Minnesota uh, have kids at uh, at that particular school, and uh, including at my own parish, and they were there to, to meet their kids on the way back home. So it's an interesting place time. for kind of like a pit stop. You know, you think when yes. you're driving back, maybe hit the, the you go to the gas station, stretch your legs, you know, grab 
have a, a Charleston shoe, but they stretch their legs at another march. So doubling yeah. up on the march, that is one uh, good f- field trip. <laughs> Some solid students that uh, Monsignor Shea has there. Absolutely. Meanwhile, uh, NFL Conference Finals yesterday, uh, the San Francisco 49ers uh, beat the Dallas Cowboys 19-12. to The Niners will play at Philadelphia against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. In the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, won on the road, surprisingly, at Buffalo against the Bills. 27-10 was the final, uh, as heard on CBS Sports. Facing pressure. Goes over the top, wide open is Chase, and he splits the defenders for the touchdown to the end zone. Open, wide open. Hurst hauls it in for another Cincinnati touchdown. And the Bengals have now won a 10 straight, uh, and uh, they uh, will be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on the road uh, next up in the AFC uh, title game uh, this coming weekend, Glenn. So uh, we're down to the final four in the NFL. Yeah, quite uh, quite a great lineup set there. The Bengals, I don't think they're afraid of anybody. Big win on the road at uh, at Buffalo, and they've already beat Kansas City this year as well as last year in Kansas City in the AFC title game. So they're they're pumped to go, and uh, you know, Cowboys fans kind of going home sad a little bit yesterday. Yes, you know, only one team can be happy uh, at the end of the season, as we've talked about uh, before. Only one can come away with the Lombardi Super Bowl trophy. So we'll see uh, what happens uh, this coming uh, weekend. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn and Sarah. Hey, sure thing, guys. And on this day, a prayer for the legal protection of uh, unborn children. Uh, We are going to pray in a special way uh, for um, all of the unborn uh, in, our, in our country. Uh, always start every show in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings, and we pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And every morning we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show, and uh, you can also send us an email directly with your thoughts, morningair at relevantradio.com. A number if you want to be part of the conversation this morning, 888 Now, uh, as you know, the 50th March for Life took place this past weekend in Washington, D.C., in our nation's capital, and several other marches and walks uh, for life also took place across the country this past weekend. Tens of thousands of pro-life activists, and uh, the majority of them, young people, uh, joined uh, these marches, including in D.C.
Joining us live back home uh, from uh, Washington, D.C., in the Chicago area, is Morning Air regular contributor Eric Scheidler to uh, share his experiences on the March for Life and the National Day of Prayer for the Legal Protection of Unborn Children, which we are remembering today. Eric is the executive director of the Pro-Life Action League based in Chicago. He speaks frequently on pro-life activism, religious liberty, marriage, and the family to audiences across our nation. Good morning, Eric. Thanks so much uh, for joining us once again. It's great to be with you on this day of prayer for the unborn. Great to be with you, John. Hey, Eric, uh, before we talk about the March for Life, I want you to hear a dynamic young pro-life leader that was on Morning Air on her way to D.C. Um, One huge thing I noticed when Roe was overturned was the fact that people were talking you know, they were talking about abortion um, amongst their coworkers, their their friends, their family, um, and that's huge. And I think that how we live our day to day lives and how we speak of the unborn and, and the women involved, and um, that's that's going to be a huge turning point. I think it's it's much more personal um, because now it's state by state, and and even smaller than that, it's person by person. Um, and, and that's how I've been viewing the battle since Roe has been overturned um, is just a much more personal battle. Um, it's, it's not enough to just say you're pro-life. You have to be pro-life now. Hey, Eric, you recognize that voice. <laughs> that, that's my niece, Hope. How do you like that? Uh, she's only 18 years old, but boy, is she inspiring. And, uh, you know, she uh, gives so much credit for uh, uh, how passionate she is about the issue of life uh, to your uh, dad, uh, pro-life legend, Joe Shadler. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting this moment because um, we're on the second anniversary of my father's death. Just, uh, just last week was the second anniversary of the day he died. Uh, he didn't live to see Roe v. Wade overturned, but so much of the work that he did uh, resonates with what, what my niece Hope Miller was just saying there in that clip, that you take personal responsibility for this issue. That was what my father's whole mission was about. That's why he founded uh, our organization, the Pro-Life Action League, to put people to work, make them active in this fight against abortion. And that does start with the very personal type of conversations that we all can have. Uh, there's one overriding sort of theme that I come back from the March for Life with, it's that we are in a moment of, of rebuilding, of resetting, of restarting, of renewal in the pro-life movement. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's one of the challenges that we face because after 50 years of fighting essentially the same battle, the same abortion policy in all 50 states imposed on high from the Supreme Court um, and then suddenly overturned in a, in a kind of whirlwind. So few of us expected to see this in our lifetimes. And uh, all of a sudden, in the space of a year and a half, this thing completely flipped around. And now our challenge is to be willing to change the way we do things, to be willing to think different thoughts and do different things and reach out in different ways. And that's hard to do when you've got 50 years of, of, uh, of a battle that was all focused on the same thing. Um, and uh, everyone I talked to was asking questions like, what comes next? How do we do pro-life activism in a state that's banned abortion but still has women who are seeking abortion, crossing state lines, you know, just because you live in Texas or, or Alabama or Ohio where they've got some significant abortion restrictions or even total bans, doesn't mean that the women in your state aren't in the exact same place they were before when they faced an untimely pregnancy and in need of your help and the help of the community. So many abortions are sought because people don't have support in their lives. They don't have somebody who they could maybe let come and watch their kid while they're going to work. 
or you know they can't make that next rent check and that's what leads them to abortion even if it means they have to cross state lines to do that or even if it means they have to seek out illegal abortion drugs that are being trafficked into their state which we know is a very serious problem as medication abortion becomes more and more the way that the women actually get these abortions so we do have to take this very personally uh, each one of us needs to ask, what can I do? And that starts with me. You know, I'm, you think as the leader of a pro-life organization, we've been around for many years. Uh, we're asking those questions, too. How do we organize in a blue state like Illinois that is so pro-abortion? You know, what's happening up in, I would hope that Minnesota is more of a, a battleground state and they have some more hope up there to be able to push back on bad legislation. There's so many moving parts right now. That really means that every one of us needs to be involved. And it starts with prayer, with asking. That's what this day of prayer is really about. God, what are you calling me to do? Am I being called to be a benefactor of a pro-life organization because I've been blessed with wealth? Am I being called to go out on the sidewalk and reach out to women at abortion facilities in my state that is expanding abortion? Am I called to advocate for better help for moms? in a state where abortion has been curtailed or even banned. Uh, and what can I do personally? Those conversations with friends and neighbors, with, with family members, and especially with any uh, young woman who's considering abortion. It's those interventions that are going to save lives. When you have the chance to talk, especially to a woman who is facing that decision, what can you say, what can you do that would make a difference? And the Pro-Life Action League is there to help as we struggle through these uncertain days. Well, Eric, uh, there's no question that there is uh, there's a ton of work that's left to do. But uh, I wanted to is, is savor one last time uh, the events of this weekend and of last Friday in Washington D.C. Uh, you were there. You've been to many uh, March for Life's in Washington D.C. over over the years, but this one was special. Uh, the crowd looked massive uh, from what I saw on television. Uh, can you give us a feel of what it was like uh, on the ground there? Well, the crowd was incredibly enthusiastic. I, you know, I was there at the rally and got to hear Jonathan Rumi, the actor who plays Jesus Christ in The Chosen, give a, a rousing speech about uh, our need to be involved in this directly and, and that it all starts with prayer. Uh, I didn't even know, actually, that that actor, Jonathan Rumi, is Catholic. Until I didn't either, said, to be honest with you. When I heard him talk about praying the rosary, I, I was... It. It that was, was amazing. Moment for me. Yeah, that is the same moment for me, John, when he said, pray the rosie. I looked over my wife, April, who was, who was at the Marshall's Day this year, and I was like, what? <laughs> How exciting is that? And you know, he expanded on that in uh, his talk at the Rose Dinner later that evening. So, um, you know, it was an incredibly enthusiastic group. You know, even, even last year when there was a lot of belief that the Supreme Court was going to do something exciting, um, you know, the, the atmosphere was, was pretty positive, but even more so. This year, having accomplished that, and I think for many people, uh, they really wanted to be there, even though Roe was already overturned, uh, they wanted to be there to celebrate that. Um, and we, we marched a different route. We passed all around the Capitol. We still wound up, you know, at the Supreme Court, between the Capitol and the Supreme Court um, for that final moment. And, and uh, it was really very moving to be up there at, at the Supreme Court looking at the front of that building and, you know, Moses giving the Ten Commandments and all of it and think something good happened here um, in, in 2022, um, something that uh, we fought for for so long. And it, it was good to be at the Supreme Court and have a good feeling about the place for a change. 
As you uh, marched uh, past the U.S. Capitol for the first time, because it was a little different route than any other of the marches, um, what was going through your mind? How, how do you get the attention of uh, these politicians, uh, members of Congress, as to the importance of, of the issue of life? Well, you know, as, as Hope was saying in her comment at the top of this segment, um, you know, th- this issue exploded out this past couple of years. People are talking about it all the time, including our politicians. And, um, you know, so often what we hear from them, especially when they're, uh, you know, uh, um, trying to defend abortion, you know, we hear a lot of propaganda. We hear a lot of nonsense. Um, you know, we hear a lot of euphemisms about reproductive rights and choice and, and aut- bodily autonomy. We hear very little about the unborn child. We also hear very little about how desperately so many women do not want the abortions they get. And I think that's what our politicians need to hear. They need to hear from us that they talk about abortion as if it's something that is always done with, um, you know, fully intentional self-actualization, as if it's an expression of your deepest desire and you're, you know, exerting your choice as as an actor in a free society. We know that's not true. We know that very many of the abortions that are sought, I believe it's more than 50%. The woman is desperate to not have the abortion and would do otherwise if any other circumstance were different. You know, and, and our politicians don't know this. They need to know how many unwanted abortions there are. So, John, that's something that I've been talking a lot about. I talk about it with pro-lifers. I've been talking about it with, pro, with reporters. I talk about it with my pro-choice friends. I say to them, look, Abortion is not doing the thing you think it's doing. It is not making women's lives better. It is not allowing them to achieve their dreams. In fact, abortion is allowing our, our, our you know, increasingly woke corporate overlords, uh, you know, those who, who can kind of control so much of our society, the Amazons, the Googles, the, the big box stores, to keep their female employees on the floor of the warehouse, uh, of, the, of the store, at the cash register, at their desks, um, without ever having to accommodate their real, you know, the real needs of women. Um, we have never really adapted our workplace for, for the real lives of women, women who have children, women who have children who get sick, women who have menstrual cycles that need attending to, who go through menopause. None of these changes in women's lives uh, have really ever been dealt with by, by our our, our economic system, and we have a market that expects you to be always available for work no matter what, and if uh, pregnancy gets in the way, uh, if you get past all the barriers of contraception, then you seek out an abortion, and you will even pay for your employees to cross state lines to get abortions. That's the, that's the kind of world that we're moving into, um, and we, we need to speak out against this, especially women need to speak out and say, this is not what we want. This is not helping us. This is really only allowing us to continue to be exploited and to be used as cogs in a machine rather than as human beings who have dignity and deserve to, to have our, our, our femininity uh, uplifted and respected and honored. 
We're joined this morning by Eric Scheidler, the executive director of the Pro-Life Action League. And Eric, just before the March for Life uh, last Friday, um, there was a new uh, Marist Knights of Columbus poll that came out uh, that uh, found that 69% of Americans want uh, abortions either banned or limited. Uh, so few people are aware that this is just uh, very similar to other polls over the year, over recent years, and and, more, and even after. Uh, Roe was overturned that show that that people don't want abortion on demand, uh, unlimited. You know, so much of what the public thinks about abortion is 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 mixed, and and you know, depending on how you ask the question, you can get majorities of Americans seeming to support abortion, and majorities of Americans showing that they're 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 uncomfortable with abortion. We know that at heart, people are very uncomfortable with it at a minimum. Uh, it bothers them because they know that abortion takes a human life. No one can really deny it, but they're not always sure how to talk about it or what to say. And you know, depending on how you ask the question, they'll give you they'll give you a different answer. But what that signals to us is that we have a real opportunity to rebuild here, to to reeducate people about abortion. So the Pro Life Action League is working to do that. Um, one of the tools that we've um, had out there for years and that we're um, going to be updating for this new post-war world is our handbook, Sharing the Pro-Life Message. I know, John, you've you've seen that handbook. It's outstanding. It's, 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 it has everything you want to know, all the basics in a little in a little book. So if you want to be on board and be one of the very first to get the, the first copies of the revised Sharing the Pro-Life Message handbook, go to prolifeaction.org right now and sign up for email messages. Down at the bottom page of prolifeaction.org, you can sign up, and then you'll know when that tool becomes available a little bit later this spring, uh, and you can start to use that um, to inform your conversations with people and, and even save babies from abortion. We've also got a project called Post Row Future. Um, we, uh, together with some other uh, groups, have put together a, a joint statement for Post Row Future, and we're saying, you know, Abortion bans are not enough. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that we extend legal protection to unborn children, but those pressures that women feel to get abortions still exist, and they can cross state lines to get abortions. And so many women still live in abortion states. So we're calling on other sorts of assistance, you know, better, better health care and, uh, you know, flexible work hours and uh, paid, paid parental leave and the kinds of things that could make a really big difference in people's choices when it comes to family formation and even when it comes to abortion, you can find that statement at postrofuture.com. If you agree with the principles, you can sign on and share that with others, postrofuture.com. So there are, there are things we can do now to start moving in this direction uh, as we kind of rebuild and, and, you know, inspired by that recent polling that pushes back against some of the more dire polling we saw uh, last year. Uh, that should inspire us to really, every one of us, take a responsible role in this fight to protect unborn children throughout all of the United States, not just in our, our own states that in some cases have, have gone in a good direction. Others haven't. Eric, uh, final moments, uh, some words of encouragement on uh, why life is winning in America in this post-Roe uh, world. Well, at the end of the day, lives are being saved by individual people who share the pro-life message. Who are, who are out there at an abortion facility praying or counseling in a state that has abortions so legal, and for those who are reaching out and offering help to women in states where abortion has been banned. I was talking to some folks in, from Alabama who are doubling down their efforts to help those women who still, you know, 
need help in a state that has banned abortion. So pro-lifers are coming together. The, you find your place. That's really my message. Find your place because there is one for you. There's a place for you in the pro-life movement to be more active than ever before. And together, we can tr- completely transform this culture and save our unborn brothers and sisters. Well, Eric, it's always a joy to be with you. Thanks so much uh, for joining us uh, this morning uh, to continue to promote the culture of life. Thanks, John. God bless you and your listeners. God bless you, too. Eric Scheidler, the executive director of the Pro-Life Action League and a regular contributor to Morning Air. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues. Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life Education and Defense Fund, will join us from Washington, D.C. with much more on the March for Life and what's next in a post-Roe America. So stay with us on this Monday as Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I think this is a wonderful march, the biggest march I've ever been to. I think it's awesome. I think everybody's alive right now as we march for life. It's just, it means so much to me to be able to give back in this way and to really thank God for the gift of my life. This is kind of a chance for us to show our support and to show that this is something we are super passionate about and that we firmly believe in. I think I'm holding the best example of why it's important to march for life. I think that every person, no matter how small they are, no matter how long they've been alive, deserves a chance to truly like experience the joys that God has planned for them. It's important to be here and to march because, you know, this is just such a solemn day as the anniversary of Roe v. Wade and, you know, just being here with everybody, it's like you're a part of something that's uh, bigger than yourself. We're here because we believe in the rights of the unborn, that they are human and that they're worthy of life. I'm marching because dignity begins in the womb and the unborn are humans, and we need to protect the most vulnerable. Life is something so beautiful, and it's not something that we as humans should have any control over. We should be defending with everything we have. And those were some of the enthusiastic young people celebrating the end of Roe at the 50th March for Life in Washington, D.C. last Friday. Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life, will be with us momentarily. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with uh, Glenn Leverance and Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday morning, the National Day of Prayer for the Legal Protection of Unborn Children. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888 Now, as we've been uh, talking about this morning and uh, throughout the whole show last Friday, uh, a huge crowd, uh, some estimated at over 100,000 pro-lifers descended upon our nation's capital for the annual March for Life uh, this past Friday. It's the first march since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last June 24th. This is what it sounded like at the start of the March for Life rally. Good afternoon. Welcome to the 50th March for Life. Thank you for coming. Thank you for standing for life. Thank you. I'm Jeannie Mancini, and I am honored to be the president of the March for Life. And on behalf of the whole March for Life team, I want to welcome you to the world's largest, longest-running annual human rights demonstration, the March for Life. 
And what a moment it was. Joining us live from Washington, D.C. is Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life Education and Defense Fund, to share with us a recap of the march and some of the next steps for the pro-life movement. Good morning, Jeannie. Thanks so much for joining us. It is an absolute joy to be with you once again here on this day of prayer for the legal protection of unborn children. Well, good morning, John. I'm kind of emotional listening to all the young marchers give their testimonies and then um, even hearing my own words back to me and what that, you know, just to hear that again, it's very... Oof, it was a very emotional and, and beautiful day. So thanks for having me. Oh, Jeannie, it's a joy to be with you. And I got to tell you, uh, I really uh, got such a kick out of the, the way the young people uh, uh, received you uh, with chants of USA, USA, before you even uh, said the first word. <laughs> I forgot. There have been so many highlights that it's like until you start rewatching or hearing these things, you forget some of the things and until you reminded me of that. Well, I I, about it. I wasn't there in person. Obviously, we were reporting on it here in studio in the Chicago area on Relevant Radio. Our whole show last Friday was dedicated to the march. Uh, but you've had a whole weekend now uh, to kind of let it soak in and to maybe reflect a little bit uh, on the meaning of this historic uh, 50th March for Life, uh, the first since Roe was overturned. Can you give us uh, your emotions, uh, your thoughts, uh, sort of the post-game here on this Monday morning? Absolutely. Let me back it up a few months to, to maybe about September or August. And I have never received as many questions about if there's still a need to march or inquiries about safety and just um, hearing of cancellations, even from our own beloved bishops of big events and what have you. And so, you know, we have worked so hard to try to share with people why it would be just the worst idea ever to cancel the world's largest annual human rights demonstration when we haven't done away with the human rights abuse of abortion. And so much confusion in the wake of the overturn of Roe about the role of the march still and the need to continue to march. So, John, I have to say that the Holy Spirit showed up abundantly. And if there was a question in anyone's mind about the role of of this annual human rights demonstration, I think it was answered. Um, The people were so energetic. Our young people just showed up in spades. And I'm not sure I've ever seen as big of a crowd. I mean, I I was shocked just by the sheer numbers myself, but the excitement and the positivity was truly undeniable. I mean, it was just emotionally beautiful. Um, You've seen big crowds in the past. Uh, It had to be so exciting to look out into the horizon. You really couldn't see where the crowd ended, and yet we don't know exactly how many people showed up. But we know it was huge. To me, it looked nearly as big as the the 40th March for Life uh, 10 years ago. Yeah, I would say, I mean, from my own eyes, and, and, you know, we were at a different location at that 40th March, but I think it was bigger than that one. Um, And that was 650,000 back then. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I haven't heard that estimate. My, if I was going to make a guess on Friday, just now I've seen a lot of state marches and I've seen a lot of national marches, I would say about 100,000. And we'll know a little bit more over the course of the next week when we get numbers from our metro 
and other like good data points that can help us sift this together. But what we typically see is depending on the year and the weather and who's showing up, like if we've got a major, you know, VIP presence, et cetera, we could have anywhere from 10 to 20 for the rally and then um, upwards of 100,000 on the March route itself. More come for the actual March than the rally, although that, that's shifting. But, um, but I will tell you that for the rally portion, like you said, John, I couldn't see the end of the folks that were there. And, um, and their excitement was palpable, uh, just in so many ways, so, so joyful. And then our speakers were just incredible this year. So um, really, really a special day. Yeah, the speakers were absolutely outstanding, and um, I, I was able to go back and really uh, listen to uh, what um, many of your outstanding speakers uh, had had to say, uh, beginning uh, with the woman that was responsible uh, for uh, the Dobbs case being overturned, uh, that overturned Roe v. Wade, I should say, um, uh, Attorney General uh, Lynn Fitch from Mississippi. She sort of set the tone uh, for the rally. Right. Right, John. And even prior to that, I'm not sure if the TV was covering this. We had this wonderful woman from North Carolina, Tamika Walden, that was asked. I mean, she was really counseled to abort her first, her oldest child, her baby. And so she gave her testimony of choosing life. And then her baby, who is now 16 years old, Ariel, sang the national anthem like we've never heard anyone sing the national anthem so even to start that way and then you know we have the pledge and then the opening prayer and then boom attorney general fitch you know the and she herself is a single mom i mean amazing what a time in history um and what a particular role attorney general fitch has played in the overturn of roe and she's a remarkable woman on every level but um yes and then we continued you know with legislators from both sides of the aisle one of my favorites was Trine McGee from Connecticut, a Democrat, an African-American, just beautiful story, very passionate on this issue. Um, and, and I'll stop because you might have other questions about some of the other speakers. Oh, my goodness. No, yeah, I'm right with you. Uh, they, they were all so good, uh, you know, obviously uh, for sports fans uh, to, to see uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer and Super Bowl champion uh, Tony Dungy, along with his lovely wife, uh, Lauren. What a great uh, husband and wife combo they were. And, and Tony's comments were, were, were so inspiring uh, as he uh, tied it all into the recent uh, Damar Hamlin incident uh, with the, the importance of yeah. praying for life, just like people prayed for uh, Damar. Absolutely. And I have to tell you that if you had a chance to interact, I did have a chance to interact with Coach and Lauren um, offstage, you know, behind the cameras, and they are such good, humble, earnest people. I mean, it's just remarkable. Like, they've had such worldly success, and they're so grounded and committed to the Lord, and um, just good, good, humble people. Amazing, remarkable. And yes, the crowds were just so fired up by him and their remarks were very inspiring. And as an adoptive father myself, uh, to hear uh, Tony's wife, Lauren, uh, talk about the blessing of adoption and uh, how they themselves adopted eight children. Uh, it was so uh, powerful, really I inspiring uh, to hear from a mother uh, that has chosen life and, and to hear uh, of all those children that, that they adopted. It, it had to be very inspiring for all the young people out there. It truly was. It truly was. And they had their oldest, <clears throat> excuse me, their oldest adopted daughter was with them, but she was embarrassed to come up on the stage or nervous. So she, 
she was right. I can see her right in front, um, but just cheering on her mom and dad as, as they were speaking. So they, they really felt it was such an honor to speak at the March for Life. And um, boy, he's in the middle of football season right now. So it was a big sacrifice for him to be able to come in just at the right time and then get back out and, and be back on TV that night for the next night. But um, just remarkable. Now, Jeannie, I got to tell you, uh, your last uh, speaker um, almost made me cry. My eyes welled up listening to to this fellow, Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus in the TV series The Chosen. Uh, his message was so powerful, so inspirational. My goodness, I had to be reminded that this guy is only uh, playing Jesus. Yeah, I share your <laughs> feelings. And then, so for me personally, I can't always listen very well to the speakers as they're speaking, but it is rare. Like I can't think ever of a time when I've had time, a lot of time with the keynote speaker for the Rose Dinner, but for whatever reason, by God's providence, Jonathan and I got to have a lot of time together after he spoke, um, both during, he marched. So we just talked a lot along the, the march route. And then he sat next to me at the Rose Dinner. Um, and I, I'm telling you, I was so inspired by Jonathan Rumi. He has made the commitment to the Lord to never say no if the Holy Spirit asks him to do something. And I'm just so inspired by this this man of God. Yeah, I mean, really, and I've, I've been asking the young people, so with the March for Life, there are many events, and so I had the chance to speak to a lot of people throughout the weekend, and I've just been asking them to make that same commitment. Um, it's such a beautiful and, and fruitful and hard and adventurous commitment to make, but it's uh, what a what a great guy. Well, Jeannie, I have uh, a short excerpt. I want a, a little clip. I want to uh, play, uh, uh, and I'll hear your reaction on the other side. We are under an assault on our sense of virtue. We're enduring an affront to the innate holiness we are all imbued with and called to and an attack on the family structure and the sacredness of the gift of life. But as ones created in the image and likeness of God, who is himself love, we are charged to be the standard bearers who defend and preserve the dignity of every human, but especially the most vulnerable, which begins with the initial stages of life and continues throughout the entire cycle from conception through that phase we all aim to enter into our golden years, followed by the final stages of our earthly existence. And Ginny, uh, Jonathan Rumi uh, started uh, his message uh, with saying that God is in love with every one of you. Mm. Uh, that really uh, set the tone for his, his message there on the stage in that rally. It was an incredible moment. It sure was. And Jonathan was our rose in her keynote. And if you could have heard him at the Rose Center, it's, it's hard to believe that it was maybe even better at the Rose Center, but, but it was. Uh, and he, he described really his own battle in saying yes to speaking at the March for Life and how hard it is in Hollywood to stand up for this issue and how critically important it is for, um, for all of us, but especially those who might be you know, in positions of great influence, like in the entertainment industry or politics or what have you. To, uh, to have lots of guardrails and, and protections around so that they're really able to do the work of God and, and to hear God and to be in union with him and very protected from evil forces. Powerful. 
Well, Jeannie, uh, I know we're, we're a little short on time. You've got to get going. But uh, just a final thought on uh, what uh, lies ahead. What is next uh, as we continue to march into a post row America? So for the March for Life, we began a state march initiative five, six years ago. And uh, in earnest, really kicked it off in 2019 in Virginia. But this past year, 2022, we were in five states. Um, little did we know when we began this that Roe would be overturned. I mean, in our lifetime, it began. It became a little bit more possible about a year ago, um, but here we are in a post-Roe America, and the state march initiative is all the more important. And that's not to say to the detriment of the national um, battles for legislation, because those still remain important. But uh, this year, 2023, will be in 10 states, John, including. Uh, in Virginia, my home state, for the 5th March in a week and a half. And so what I'd ask your listeners is please pray for the work, get involved in whatever way God is calling you to get involved. But um, please attend a state march for life if there is one and look into getting one started if there's not one yet, because the legislative battle at the state has so much more freedom now to enact pro-life laws. Um, And sadly, we're seeing that go the opposite way as well. Um, but we'll be there to, to rally the grassroots and to do whatever we can to enact legislation that will protect the dignity of the unborn and their mothers. And Jenny, I know that uh, ultimately you'd love to see these types of state marches uh, at the grassroots level in all 50 states. So we will continue uh, to keep you and the March for Life in our prayers. Where can our listeners go if they want to support uh, your efforts? Check us out at marchforlife.org, and then there's a little drop-down menu, and check out the State March Initiative to see what we've got going on and how to get in touch with us. Awesome. Really appreciate uh, you taking the time to be with us. Uh, it is so exciting to, to uh, connect with you once again, and uh, congratulations on, on a, a tremendous March for Life. Oh, thanks so much for covering the March, John, and God bless you. Great to talk to you. God bless you, too. Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life Education and Defense Fund. For more, you can visit marchforlife.org. We're going to take a a short break, and we'll uh, come back with much more here on Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm taking my time all I like talking is Starting to rhyme, I'm letting go alone, letting go strife. I just can't get enough of this beautiful life. I just can't get enough of this beautiful life. Life is beautiful. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much uh, for joining us here on this Monday morning, this National Day of Prayer for the Legal Protection of Unborn Children. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is uh, from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and I think it's quite relevant uh, when it comes to the issue of life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. 
God's ways are not always our ways. As Catholics, we need to trust the Lord with all our heart and not on our own understanding. God sees the big picture and is always looking out for us. And at the end of the day, trusting the Lord is the most important thing that we can do. We need to trust the Lord with a childlike trust, and that is the whole point of the Divine Mercy devotion that you hear every day, every afternoon here on Relevant Radio with my good friend Drew Mariani. And that's why we pray every day, Jesus, I trust in you. I want to bring in uh, Glenn and Sarah here on this uh, on this National Day uh, of Prayer for the Legal Protection of Unborn Children. We're uh, kind of uh, uh, looking back at the events of this weekend, the marches, uh, obviously the March for Life in Washington, D.C. Um, it was great to hear from the president of uh, the march just a few minutes ago, uh, Jeannie Mancini. And uh, it was a, quite a moment and very enthusiastic crowd that uh, Jeannie got to see on Friday. Well, I certainly, I certainly was a great crowd, and on the national level, things kind of uh, celebratory there with uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned. Now, 14 states having abortion be illegal, but uh, some other states fighting very hard to make abortion uh, even more available, John. Yeah, I wanted to share a, a few of, of the of cli- a few clips and a few a few highlights uh, from the March for Life uh, rally. Um, Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch, uh, who won the Dobbs case that overturned Roe, uh, was at the rally, and uh, she really set the tone for the day. For nearly 50 years, you have marched to proclaim the fundamental dignity of women, of their children, and of life itself. You've marched with hope and determination and prayer, but this year is different. We have overturned Roe v. Wade with the Mississippi Dobbs case. We have done that. It was a celebration, but at the same time, as Jeannie Mancini uh, reminded us before the march, uh, it's a, a somber reminder of the millions, now 64 million plus uh, unborn babies that have perished uh, from abortion uh, in the last uh, uh, 50 years. So it, yes, it was a celebration, but we can never forget the unborn, uh, Glenn. Uh, no, absolutely, absolutely not. Just the the pure numbers that have happened, and uh, but uh, great work that has helped save lives. And any particular thing that uh, slows down the process, uh, even stories of you know people out praying forty days for life in front of uh, an abortion center. Uh, someone decides to drive by, they change their mind. That's hard to document, perhaps, but lives are saved there. Uh, you know, we hear lots about uh, even companies offering to fly their employees to other states so they can have an abortion to keep working. And uh, still, that process is going to slow things down, give people enough time to think and change their minds. So all of those are, are great ways for lives to be saved. And, uh, John, still a lot of important legislation going on in individual states, uh, some of those doubling down on abortion. Uh, we've heard stories like that in Illinois as well as New York, California, Minnesota as well. Well, uh, Glenn, uh, you and I are sports fans. I know you, you're you a big Vikings fan. I, I wanted to get your take on Pro Football Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion uh, Tony Dungy, uh, uh, who, along with his wife, were on stage. And he uh, tied uh, his message to the recent DeMar Hamlin incident uh, with praying for life. Three weeks ago, everybody on that field was praying. And it continued. The next week, at every stadium in the NFL, teams got together and prayed, and it was amazing. Well, those prayers were answered. DeMar's recovering now. He's home. He's been released from the hospital. But what's the lesson in that? 
You know, an unbelievable thing happened that night, a professional football game with millions of dollars of ticket money and advertising money on the line. That game was canceled. Why? Because a life was at stake. And people wanted to see that life saved. Even people who aren't necessarily religious got together and called on God. Well, that should be encouraging to us because that's exactly why we're here today. What a powerful and inspirational moment, uh, Glenn. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to tie it in, it is about life. And that, uh, that stopped the world of football, uh, concerned about that young man's life. And uh, we ought to be as concerned, honestly, about every, every single life. Well, there's so much more that we could talk about. His wife, Lauren, actually talked about adoption right after that, something that uh, I know hits home for you, uh, you being adopted, Glenn, and myself being an adoptive dad. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to the, the life issue, uh, being an adoptive kid, uh, having worked with several adoptive parents here at, uh, at Relevant Radio through the years as well, it's great how that all comes together and, and uh, certainly gives us an opportunity and uh, great joy to talk about the life issue. And we continue to pray for the unborn on this day, this National Day of Prayer for the Legal Protection of Unborn Children. And uh, now it's time for yet another edition of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today called You Have to Steer by Joseph Mazzella. When I was a boy, we used to live across the road from a big hill with huge oak trees growing out of it. When winter would arrive and thick, heavy snow would fall, my two brothers would grab their sleds and head over to the hill for a day of fun. I remember watching them with envy because I was still too small to go sledding. Finally, one winter I was deemed big enough and I joined my brothers as they carried their sleds up the long hill and prepared to ride down. The first few trips I rode with one of my brothers, I had the time of my life. It was so exhilarating, feeling the wind whip across my face as I flew down the hillside on the wooden sled. Near the end of the day, I was overjoyed too, and one of my oldest brothers decided to let me ride the sled all by myself. I climbed on full of excitement and laid down on my stomach. With one big push, my brother sent me zooming down the snowy hillside. I was doing pretty well too until I hit an old stump hidden in the snow and, and went off course straight toward one of those big oak trees. My eyes bulged in my sockets, my heart pounded out of my chest, and I could hear myself screaming at the last possible second. I rolled off, and the sled crashed into the tree. I could hear my brothers running down the hill yelling, you have to steer, you have to steer. Sadly, that wasn't the last time I failed to steer when some obstacle knocked me off course in my life. Many times, problems, troubles, my own failings, have sent me crashing into the trees of anger, frustration, despair. I'm still learning that life isn't always safe sledding. I'm still learning that sometimes it's up to me to steer myself back to love, back to kindness, back to goodness, and back to God. Life is a trip. No one ever said it was a smooth ride. Steer well, then. Steer straight. Steer true. Steer your soul toward the light and love we're all meant for. Psalm 32.8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, our spiritual director, Father Burke Masters, will join us to continue his series on morality, virtue, and freedom today, discussing man's freedom. An award-winning author and internationally known Catholic speaker, Marge Fenelon, will explain the spiritually of womanhood, living our faith with Mary as the model. So stay with us. There's much more to come in the final hour of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.